Hey friends, I'm Megan Meredith. I've been on an interesting journey the past 10 years. It's been full of plot twists, as I'm sure your own journey has been. One thing I've learned is that people are fascinating and full of stories. We all come from diverse backgrounds and have complicated backstories. We experience the world completely differently, and we don't always agree. And that's okay, because there is always something we can talk about. thrilled to begin this new season with you guys. It's a bit of a new chapter, if you will. And if you listen to the other podcasts, you know what we've been through. And I'm just really thrilled to have people and other voices join me this season. My very first guest bringing her own voice to something we can talk about is Hollis Wynn. Hollis Wynn and I actually met at yoga, and then we quickly connected over books and all the other things. So Hollis is an author of six novels. She runs the White Hot Reads blog. She loves books and music, and she has the most adorable Yorkie poo that you've ever seen. And she's just a fantastic human. So I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. We did have some funny audio moments during our conversation. You'll even hear a plane fly over. But nonetheless, I so enjoyed talking to Hollis. Let's get into what we talked about. All right, friends, welcome. Today I am coming to you from the library with my friend and fellow author Hollis Wynn. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We are currently sitting in a back room in the library and I feel the need to use my, you know, dateline voice. We're going to jump into this conversation because I'm super excited. This is my very first guest. So thank you, Hollis, for being my very first guest on the show. I intended to do this last year, um, but life kind of got in the way. And so now we're here and we're, we're moving right along and we're going to have guests on the show. So I told you before that Hollis is an author of how many books, Hollis? Six. Six books. That's incredible. Um, Hollis actually writes under a pen name, don't you? I do. So Hollis is not your real name. No. But this is, is your real voice. It is. It's my We're real voice. We're not altering your voice to keep your identity a complete secret. <laughs> my real voice, my real face, just not my real name. Okay. So tell tell our friends at home who may or may not be listening why you chose to write under a pen name and kind of explain what that is. Because I feel like fellow authors understand what that term means, but maybe not the general public. So I um, am of the age that I've had a few jobs in my life, and one of the jobs did not allow me to have outside income. Um, and writing, even though some days you don't, or some months you don't make very much, <laughs> it's still considered outside income. Mm-hmm. And so when I broached the company and asked, you know, could I write? They said that there's a panel that would need to review my books. And my comment was probably somewhat snarky, but I was like, so you want a bunch of old white men to read about sex? (laughs) Okay, sure. (laughs) Um, And then I left that job and moved to a whole new part of the country. And I decided that I would start using a pen name. Not because I'm ashamed of what I write, but because I don't want my former 
coworkers and current coworkers mm. to really be able to dig into what I do and make assumptions that are just mm-hmm. not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even sort of uh, pit that against you at any point, right? You know, in any fashion. Okay, so just to clarify, um, what kind of books do you write? You mentioned sex, but let's be clear. Do you write Fifty Shades level books? (laughs) I write contemporary romance and some women's fiction. So my Mm -hmm. first two books probably lean more towards the women's fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, They're fade to black mostly. And... um, You know, as a writer, I think that we constantly evolve our writing Mm -hmm. style and what we want to write. So my first two books have pretty much zero sex. Mm -hmm. And my last four definitely have sex. Mm -hmm. Not not to the Fifty Shades, (laughs) but probably one or two sex scenes. Because Mm -hmm. sex is a part of life, right? Yeah. So we write what life is. Yeah. And again, to clarify for people that don't know what this term means, what, what do you mean by fade to black? Fade to black means it's alluded to, okay. and you yeah. don't actually see the sex happen on the page. You're not reading it no, line for line. And you're not trying to like hold your body parts up and see if what they're doing actually <laughs> really works. It, oh my it just kind of, the illusion is yes. there. You yeah. close the door and move right. on to the next thing. Yeah, kind of where the camera like pans off to the side yes. of the flame or the window or the rain or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what they're doing. Everybody knows what they're doing. Gotcha. So you continue to use this pen name, but do you have your face? Like you mentioned, your face is out there. Like how is your face on the back of the books? Is it on your social media? Like in what way is your actual likeness associated with the name Hollis Wynn? Um, My face is on everything. Mm -hmm. Um, For about the first year, I didn't put it out there. But I decided that I wasn't going to hide who I mm-hmm. was. I wanted to mm-hmm. be proud of what I was doing. Absolutely. And it felt very disingenuous mm-hmm. to be like, this is who I am mm-hmm. with no picture mm-hmm. and trying to create a persona that just wasn't real. Right. Right. So it is on my website. It's mm-hmm. on social. It is not on the back of my books. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. One, because that's typically something that's done in trade books mm-hmm. or traditional um, publishing. Mm-hmm. I am an indie author, yeah. so I own and control everything that I yeah. do. Yeah. And indie authors often have the luxury of updating their covers when something's not working. Yeah. And um, I just didn't feel like putting my face out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. I think that's... And that's the cool part about indie authors and indie publishers is that's your prerogative. You can do whatever <laughs> you want. Nobody's telling you what to do. So what have... I always wondered, before I ask this question, I always wondered, you know, um, and it doesn't necessarily happen so much anymore, but I feel like it used to happen back in the day, especially when women were writing under male names in order to get published like what happens when you let's say hypothetically that you weren't putting your face out there and then when you become mega famous like what happens is there sort of like this moment where you have to like take the mask off and be like hey guys it's really me or I mean, obviously, this doesn't necessarily apply to you, but just, like, thinking back to the day where it's, like, I mean, so many people use pen names mm-hmm. throughout the years. Yeah. Like, 
I guess you can't do press tours. You can't do interviews because then, like, you really have to be that elusive author because, and maybe that's the point, is, like, if you want to be elusive, you can be because then you can be like, no, I don't do interviews because, really, people can't see my face because then they'll know that it's me, but. (laughs) And there are some um, authors who choose to use a pen name because they're teachers, or they're right. very involved in their community. They teach kindergarten, but they write very explicit <laughs> material. Exactly. <laughs> so everyone has their reason. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is sort of a, not necessarily a response episode, but a continuation of my last episode where I talked about my own personal writing process, or lack thereof, um, and just kind of talked about how it started and how it evolved and, and what it's like now. So let's start... This is a good story, I think, right? I think I've heard yeah. parts of it before. So tell um, tell me the story of that very first book, that very first paragraph. Like, how did that quite literally happen for you to get you putting words to a page? So I had recently moved um, from New York to Chicago and was very lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, Chicago is a big city, um, and you wouldn't think you would be lonely, but, you know... Winters in Chicago when you don't really know anybody <laughs> can be somewhat challenging, right? Yeah. So um, I had a friend who was an author, and she's like, you say you write, do it. And I was <laughs> like, oh, is this a throwdown? She's Sassy. like, yes. <laughs> and I said, okay, what do you want me to write? And she's like, we don't hear about people meeting on trains, write that. And I literally did the first day. I found a track on YouTube that was the train sounds. Mm. And it's kind of like method acting where I literally was just listening to a train. Yeah. And I wrote 10,000 words in one day. My gosh. And I had no idea. You know, I've been in therapy a lot of my life. And I, Mm. I think that therapy is great for people. But I had a a therapist who I wrote letters, and I would let her read them. And she's like, I can't believe that you're not mean to people. She's like, so many people, when they're scared or fearful, the negative comes out. Mm. And I was like, well, why be mean to people? Like, it's not helping anybody, (laughs) right? So I was having a hard time at my job, and I would come home and make up stories about the people at work. Yeah. And I would give them all weird names and like Uh it was all in code and so I took that energy and just decided that you know what this 10,000 words it can be a book Mm -hmm. and it took me about nine months one because I really know what I was doing Mm -hmm. and two because I would write and then I would delete and write and then delete yeah and so I had a friend come visit and I gave it to her and she was sitting on the couch laughing so hard (laughs) and I was like why are you laughing (laughs) it's not funny she's like it's so funny because I can hear you Uh saying and doing these things and I started sobbing and Mm -hmm. I was like but it's not supposed to be funny And she and it made her laugh even harder, mm. and it kind of became a joke. She's like, "You're funny, and you don't even know you're funny." Oh, interesting. Um, still not really the still not the, the reaction point. you want when you hand someone your work no. for the very first time. Exactly. <laughs> it really turned out that um, laying my soul bare in these words, mm. people who know me really can see pieces of me in there. Yeah. And it's kind of become a joke where my friends are like, 
what happened? Mm-hmm. Let me see. I think these three things in the book happened. And I was like, <laughs> mm, I'll never tell. Right. But if they were with me, then they know. Mm-hmm. And usually I will put one or two things mm-hmm. like that have happened in real yeah. life because I'm clumsy. <laughs> that is a real thing. <laughs> um, I did show my backside on a train in Chicago. Oh, my gosh. Not on purpose. And so That's I in the did first write that in into his, yeah. a book. Yeah. That's in Bent. And so, yeah, you know, a lot of what I do is I will see something or I will watch someone or I will have an experience Mm -hmm. and then I just fictionalize Mm -hmm. it because I think it would be a lot of fun to tell a story based on one thing. Absolutely. So that was the very first book Mm -hmm. um, and that was Bent, Mm -hmm. correct? Okay. So what comes after that, like in the progress of the progression of the first book to the sixth book? What has evolved for you? Obviously, not every book is a dare now. Um, no. But after that first book, did you have that moment of like, is, am I sort of like a one-hit wonder? Do I have more stories? Did you have that sort of moment? Yes. Yeah. So... How did you get past that moment? Um, ben took nine months to write. And then I put it on the shelf for mm-hmm. two or three years because life was changing. I was moving, you know, a lot was going on. Mm-hmm. Which sidebar nine months is not that long compared to, it's you know, not. I think my first one took 10 years, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, so that's... I pulled yeah. it out and in about five months I rewrote the whole book. Yeah. Which basically means I told two stories, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And um, when I published it, I had no idea what was going to come next. I had mm. all these story ideas, but I didn't know whether I was going to be a success at publishing. Sure. And as an author, you set goals and you don't share them with anyone because mm. you're scared that they're too lofty <laughs> or yeah. someone's going to laugh. Uh-huh. And my goal was to sell 100 copies of Bent. Uh-huh. And I considered that success. And I wow. did in two weeks. Yeah. I sold 100 copies. And so I had a couple of readers ask if I would be telling um, some secondary character stories later. And I really hadn't planned to, mm-hmm. but I did. So I wrote um, Breathe next. And Breathe was the hardest book, the second hardest book I've ever mm-hmm. written. And it was difficult because you fear that sophomore slump mm-hmm. and... <laughs> oh my gosh, is it going to be good enough? Are people going to like it? Are they going to be like, she got that one book in her and that's yeah, it? Yeah. You know? So there was a lot of fear. It deals with some really hard topics, mm-hmm. anxiety and moving on and and um, panic attacks, mm-hmm. but it was worth it mm-hmm. right? because mm-hmm. I believe books reach people when they need them. For sure. And so um, this one, it did pretty good. Mm-hmm. I didn't sell 100 copies in two weeks, but Mm. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. So. Speaking of selling copies in two weeks, like, I feel like that's successful just because even as I think any author would agree with this, whether they're mainstream or indie, is like getting your family and friends to actually buy your books, whether or not they read them, to buy, like to purchase your books and put them on the shelf. Sometimes that in and of itself is success. Because I have friends and family that don't read my books, that don't buy my books. And, you know, I mean, like, I'm not offended by that, but it's an interesting sort of phenomenon that happens when you are a writer is, like, getting people, the closest people to you. I don't know if it's sort of, like, embarrassment by association or I don't really know what it is, but it's sort of like, I thought you guys were my people. Like, how come... 
Do you find that to be true or? Oh, absolutely. Is that just me? Okay. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I have friends who I've been friends with for a very long time who don't buy my books. Mm-hmm. They'll buy anybody else's books and they'll read other people's, but they won't read mine. One of my best friends who's basically my sister, she goes, I don't read romance. Mm-hmm. But because it's you, I'll do it. And to me, that yeah. was very flattering. Right. You know? Yeah. Are there books in this series that you've written or that are coming out that you're like, Mom, please don't read this. Like, I love you, but don't read this. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, there is a book that will be dedicated to my parents, and it uh-huh. says, Dear Mom and Dad, remember it's fiction. Like, <laughs> you know, when you're an author and you yeah. write things, people automatically assume yeah. that you have firsthand experience in all these right. things. Right, absolutely. And I'm like, well, oh, Or that so. everything is somehow autobiographical. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At all. So, so do you feel like your um, most of your stories come from just kind of observation? Like, I have this weird thing that happened. I talked about it in my episode where I literally have dreams. I'll wake up mm-hmm. and it's like, I just, that was a chapter. That was a whole chapter. And you have to get it out of your body and, like, write it down as fast as you can or you're going to lose it. And sometimes it's like there's just a conversation. All of a sudden it just kind of, like, pops in your head and you have this conversation. And that's where the book starts is that one conversation. Yeah. So, and sometimes it is, like, you're just people watching in a coffee shop and you're like, oh, my gosh, you two people are hilarious and I'm going to write characters about you. Or a conversation that you overhear or like whatever, but obviously some aspects are true to life and some aspects are, are completely fictionalized. But where do you feel like the majority of your quote unquote ideas come from? You know, I think it's interesting because everybody gets their ideas in different ways. Mm-hmm. It could be an actual experience they had yeah. or an experience that a friend had. But until COVID, I traveled full time mm. for my job. Um, I spent about two weeks a month on the road Mm -hmm. in really crazy places. And then the other two weeks I was home riding and working. And a lot of my ideas come from that physical act of driving down the road Mm. because it's the only time that my mind can just let go. Right. It's like occupied with... Yeah, I'm the, not focused yeah. on, Interesting. okay, work, I got to get this done, and I got to get this uh-huh. done, and oh, I got to pick up the dog from the groomer, and all that, you know? I That's literally, like, have some quiet time with yeah. myself. Um, one story that will be coming out next year came up with driving back from Dallas to Houston, mm. one trip, and I saw a sign on the road, and all of a sudden, like, I could see two or three scenes in mm-hmm. that book in my head. That's cool. So tell me what the process looks like for you now. So process for every author's, you know, really unique to them and what mm-hmm. they like. Um, my first two books, I totally pants. And when I say pantsing, it means I didn't plot. I didn't write anything down. Mm. I had no plan when I started the book how it would end. I just let the book tell me. Now, my process is slightly different. I really try and get to know my characters. Mm-hmm. And when I have an idea for a book, I don't start writing that day. Mm. It has to really marinate in my head. And I have to get used to the characters and and really know what they're going to say. And then I keep a notebook for every book. It has all the random things. So character descriptions, their attitudes, where they live. Mm -hmm. As I'm writing, as I'm doing anything, I keep a notebook with me. Mm -hmm. And something pops into my head and I write it in that notebook. If I um, have a scene that I need to outline because I might want to use it, it goes in the notebook. And then that little notebook goes with me everywhere until the book is finished. Mm -hmm. 
and then I put it up and I start a new one. Um, but there are times that I might have three or four notebooks with me mm. because all these things are talking to me, mm-hmm. all these characters and, and locations, and I need to be able to write it down so when it comes time to tell that story, I don't forget. Right. Who has blue eyes? Right. I need to go back and read the book. Fun <laughs> to find out. I think my first couple books... All the men had blue eyes and yeah. dark hair. Because I didn't want That's to forget. Funny. Yes, I know that not everybody has blue eyes and dark hair. And, but it just worked. Yeah. Because I wasn't organized now. Uh-huh. It's a little different and I can keep it My editor's all. always like, you say this word 20 times on each page. And I'm like, that's because I forgot what color his eyes were. So I kept repeating mm-hmm. the same description over and over. So do you force yourself to sit down, like when you have, let's say, when you're ready to actually start writing a book, do you force yourself to then sit down and write every day or write a certain number of words in a week? Or do you just kind of give yourself a deadline to finish the entire book and however it happens, it happens? Or like, what does that look like for you? So it really depends. Um, Two of my books that I wrote in 2020 and 2021 were for publisher projects. Mm. So even though I'm indie, I was accepted into write into some worlds. And when you do that, you have specific deadlines. I had to give myself very hard and fast deadlines, Mm. which meant sometimes it was the last month and I would write every day, all night, and I would write all weekend. Mm -hmm. But as a general rule, I don't. I typically plan for three to four months out. I know that I'm going to get most of my writing done on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And so my goal is anywhere from 10 to 15,000 words on a weekend. Yeah. Sometimes I can do it in one day. Right. Sometimes it takes two days. And even sometimes during the week, I will write, but not often because I work a day job and that job is heavy Mm -hmm. and mentally stressful. And I don't want to kill off a character (laughs) that I didn't just plan to kill just because I had a bad day. Cranky or hangry. So (laughs) I really um, spend my time on the weekend. Plus, it allows me in the evenings to kind of decompress. Mm -hmm. I cook, go to yoga, watch a little bit of TV. And I find that when I'm not thinking about the book Mm. or what needs to happen, that's when stuff comes to me. Hey friends, pushing pause for just a second to tell you guys about the new website. We had a thing over on Patreon and we've successfully moved everything over to meganmerith.com where you can get all the episodes so far, blog posts, and a lot more. If you love what I do already, then go ahead and become a member because for just $5 a month, you will get bonus episodes, unpublished material, behind the scenes, and a community where we can talk about anything and everything. It's something you can belong to. Now back to our conversation with Hollis. Okay, so you mentioned doing some projects for other authors in within their worlds that they had created, and you've also done indie projects, which you are in full control over. So kind of talk about um, how that feels, the difference between being in full control of your projects and your writing process and, ever, and the characters and everything versus writing basically for other people using um, their characters and whatnot. So I think there's real value um, to stretch your wings Mm. and your writing and try different things. Mm -hmm. So I chose to apply to two worlds and I was accepted to both. One is the Cocky Hero Club world and that book that I wrote is Shameless Stranger. 
Um, for the KB Worlds, I wrote a book called Aegis. And I think pushing myself to write in someone else's world, a couple things happened. One, Shameless Strangers, the most difficult book that I've ever written. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult because in the beginning, I was trying to write like the authors who world I joined. Mm, yeah. And yeah, yeah. what I learned is that we all have a voice and it's very different. Um, and it should be. Because yeah. Because sh- your sure. voice is a part of you. Now, so were you able to find that within that world, like writing to that world, but finding your own way in it? Or was that what made it difficult? Whereas you you weren't actually using your true voice. I think the first draft of the book was not my voice. Mm, okay. Ended up being published is. And I know that that was not exactly what those readers really wanted. Mm, interesting. They yeah. really are very keen on um, Vi and Penelope's style of writing. Mm-hmm. And um, Vi Keeland and Penelope Ward, they actually own the Cocky Hero Club. Okay. And they, they're they wonderful writers. But my style is very mm-hmm. different. Sure. Um, the reviews are okay. You know, they're not horrible. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting to read the reviews and see that their hardcore readers just didn't identify with what I wrote. Mm-hmm. And that's really okay. Yeah. Um, because not every book is for every person. Mm-hmm. Um, but my KB book, um, Aegis, written under KB Worlds, the reviews are spectacular. That's People awesome. love it. Mm-hmm. So that goes to show you, one, you have to find your own audience as mm-hmm. an author, and it is not easy. You cannot tap into somebody else's reader base. You have to cultivate your own. Yeah. And it takes a long mm-hmm. time to do that. That's a really good point. But I think with writing Aegis... I've kind of found what works for me. Obviously, at this point, we've covered this several times, but you are an indie author. Mm -hmm. Another term for that is like self-published. Tell me about the process of choosing that, what you like about it, pros and cons kind of thing. I mean, we could do like a whole series on that probably. But (laughs) the first thing I'll say is I am a type A personality. Okay. I'm um, very much a control freak Uh when it comes to work. And I hate to use that term because it can have a negative connotation. But for me, I'm very much, I like to be in control. And as an indie author, I don't have to change it if I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Um, Self-publishing allows me to have that control Mm -hmm. that I need. And it also allows me, if something happens in my daily life, work with my family or whatever, and I need to push a deadline, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Whereas with traditional, very difficult to do that. Mm-hmm. What are some cons that you see to doing this ourselves? Everything I named. <laughs> <laughs> so there is stress that comes with doing sure. all those things, right? So the cons are... You do have the final word on your cover. So mm. you may spend $1,000 or more mm-hmm. trying to get a cover to fit this story. And, you know, it's really important that your cover and your blurb and your tropes and everything are to market. So when the reader sees that book, they know exactly what they're going to get mm-hmm. out of it. And so there's a ton of work that goes into that. But if you work with a traditional publisher... You hand in the manuscript, and they do the rest. Mm-hmm. So it there's definitely value if that's the way you want to go. Sure. But those same things that are a bonus as an indie mm-hmm. or self-published can also be a con mm-hmm. because there is so much work that mm-hmm. goes into them. Did you pursue traditional big house publishing 
before you decided? Or did you kind of know from the very beginning that you just wanted to do this? I knew from the beginning I wanted to do it my way because I really thought I would write one book and be done. Really? I did at that point. Interesting. Okay. I thought I'm going to write it. I'll put it out there. And that's it. Uh I really didn't think that readers would want more from me. I found that writing is very therapeutic for me. Mm -hmm. Even if I stopped publishing, I would still continue writing. Right. Yeah. Do you write just for yourself? Do you journal and stuff? So, fun fact, I do not journal. Uh And when I was a kid, I used to try Uh to keep a diary or a journal. And I, I remember when my parents moved one time... My mom had this box, and it was all these notebooks that had one or two pages <laughs> written in them. That's how long my attention span was. Right. And I would forget, and I would go on to do something else. And so um, she would tear all the pages out, and then she would use them for other stuff. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> so it wasn't wasteful. Yeah. But I've never been one to be able to sit down and just journal. I will write things and I will write about things I've seen and I've experienced Mm -hmm. but all of that turns into a story okay yeah 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 did you write as a kid did you write stories and fictionalize things as a child like did you always know that you wanted to be a writer even though you didn't start until you were an adult is that something that really truly did just develop as an adult it really developed as an adult I wanted to do something that made people happy yeah which at that point, I decided I was going to be a hairdresser because nobody uh, leaves the salon in a bad mood unless you're not good at your job. <laughs> right. So I decided to be a hairdresser. And then I went to college. Yeah. In my first two years, I was a radio television major. So I only need three classes to have a double major, but I didn't want to go back. Mm. And then my junior year, I changed to criminal justice. Mm-hmm. That's really crazy because that doesn't make people happy either. Mm. <laughs> Um, But when I started writing and people were giving me kind words about my books and how they helped them, finally, I found Uh, the thing that I'm good at that makes people happy. Yeah. And so that's a long story to say. Yeah. You know, your life has so many seasons. For sure. And I finally found mine. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I mean, you were just like all over the place. Hairdresser, criminal justice. Mm -hmm. Radio, television. I mean, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I get bored very easily. (laughs) And I will say I had an attorney that I worked with on um, on one of my jobs. Uh And she's like, you need to go to law school. You need to be an attorney. And I was like, I got a good job and I don't have all that debt. So no. No, thank (laughs) you. I was like, no, thank you. Well, I think last thing as we wrap up here for somebody that's listening, if they sort of just have this like gut feeling that they want to write intimidated to even put words on a page or let anyone else read it like what advice would you have for that person I'll give you a couple pieces yeah pieces of advice and one of those is the first draft is always crap Mm. and the first draft is not about telling the story perfectly or having everything in its right place the first story is about the brain dump Mm -hmm. and getting the words on the page and because you can't edit a blank page. Exactly. And yeah. you'll hear it. It's kind of a... I think I said that in my ...contrite <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's real. Yeah. You cannot edit a blank page. Put those words down. It doesn't matter if 
you do like I do. And when I'm in a flow, but I can't think of something, I put brackets, insert word, oh my gosh, I do sentence, that all the time. name, whatever it is. Insert, insert more description here. here. Yes. <laughs> or one of my first drafts said, knees better kiss. Yeah. Like, I mean, but I found yeah. doing that makes it continuously flow. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. So the second thing that I'll tell you is find an editor that you can work with mm-hmm. because not all editors are created equal. Yeah. Find someone who is encouraging you. Mm-hmm. They're trying to build you up, not tear you down. Mm-hmm. Some editors believe that the way to make a writer better is to break everything down about them and their writing. And I don't believe that. Yeah. I believe that you, with a little bit of time and work, you'll find someone that you can work with. Mm-hmm. And I think the last piece of advice that I would give as a self-published author, you have to learn to roll with the punches. Mm -hmm. Your first book may do exceptionally well and your second book may not do well at Mm -hmm. all. But remember that everyone's journey is different and don't judge what you're doing by what your peers are doing because you never know what's going on in the back end. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been so fun to have my first guest on the show. So thank you. You're welcome. It's been wonderful having a chance to chat with somebody about writing who who understands. Yes. And I'm sure that there's more things that we can talk about later. So we'll have to have you back. Absolutely. Thank you. I am really glad that you joined us today. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Hollis. You can find her books on Amazon and you can find out more about her on hollisswin.com. So go check it out. And I can't wait to talk more next time.